Vix the Convince. Welcome to the Vix the Convince podcast. Here's your host, NewSpark founder, Paul Mosenson. Hello out there, it's Paul Mosenson, NewSpark Consulting, Fix to Convince Marketing Optimization. Welcome to the podcast. So usually we talk about strategies and tactics and marketing planning and digital media and items like that. Today we're talking about a different kind of strategy. I think this is more of a, an organizational strategy for companies who are looking to grow and continue their growth and may not have the right team in place and they're looking for ideas and structure to get through what's going on in this world and make themselves profitable at scale. And so we're going to optimize their organization, I guess, versus their planning. And how do we do that? One of the ideas that I am and others are in this world, and we're going to talk about that today, is the concept of a fractional chief marketing officer. And with me today is the founder of one of the preeminent ones in the world. And I'm saying that because I believe it is Gig CMO and its founder, Mark McNacka. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Hi, Paul. Uh, thank you very much. Good morning. How are you today? Good. Actually, Mark's based in the UK. So good afternoon as well. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. So I got my morning drink. He's got his afternoon tea. Um, and he's actually uh, from Canada, living in the UK, and we're trying to do business in the United States. So totally global. Um, he's in London now. He's had over 30 years of business experience in senior leadership roles in consumer-driven organizations across a diverse range of industries and countries. His experience spans startups, scale-ups, and multinationals working alongside senior leadership teams as well as owners, investors, and boards on key strategies and program delivery, often in highly regulated industries and with significant cross-cultural challenges. That's, that's a key here. So that was a mouthful, but very important one. Got a number of questions for you. And we talked about at the beginning of the show, this a fractional CMO concept. So for the listeners here, what exactly is a, a fractional CMO in your words? Well, first of all, Paul, uh, as I said earlier, uh, great to be here. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to speak to with you. And of course, your, your listeners, uh, as you mentioned, I'm Canadian, uh, lived over in London, uh, for most of my life and internationally. Uh, London's always been our base, uh, been my base uh, after I graduated. And uh, our office, we're located in the city of London, which is also referred to the Square Mile or the home of financial and professional services, uh, where we usually challenge uh, New York and London switch uh, global leadership. So sure. uh, we're very excited to be based there. Uh, yes. But we're a very international uh, company as well. And of course, America is one of the, the great markets in the world, uh, without a doubt. Uh, and a lot of the great business models usually come from the US and not from other places. So it's a very exciting opportunity for us as well. So let me talk to you a bit, of, 
a bit about about what a fractional uh, chief marketing officer is. Sure. So uh, everybody now knows what a chief marketing officer. That's who's the leader in the business who helps drive the the customer agenda. So if you're in a you know a, a larger business, most people will have a have a chief marketing officer. If you're a SMB uh, or a startup or what we've heard to as a scale up, which is a, I guess, a startup that's a bit off life support, still being nurtured and developed. Uh, sometimes you might not have that level of leadership in the business, or you may have be in a large organization, but some of the senior individuals don't have as much experience as what they would like. So a chief market officer sets the customer agenda in an organization with other members of C-suite team. A fractional chief marketing officer is an individual who comes into an organization on a specific project or initiative. That's it. So, so let me ask you this about that. I mean, I mean, we're still planning strategies and, you know, and all those kinds of things, but we're doing it at not the cost of a full-time person. But, um, but like you said, there's a, uh, um, a project that needs to get done or maybe, I mean, it could be an ongoing scenario if they don't have the leadership there as well. So I think it, we can be flexible. Um, can we work with, and I say we, um, a company with a marketing director, but may not be as seasoned as... Uh, 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 sorry, Paul. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a fractional CMO can be brought into any size organization for any issue or challenge. So part of it as well is uh, our fractional CMOs come in to mentor or coach existing marketing leaders in the business who might not have that depth and breadth of experience. So there's also the, the coaching and, and mentorship roles. What it really is, is when a, when a business has a challenge and don't think they have the right skill sets, they can bring in a fractional CMO. In the old days, nobody would think of this, right? You'd think, oh, I need a experienced business leader. I've got to bring them in. And think of the associated overheads, at least 30% of the cost of the salary is an additional direct expenses to the permanent hire, plus the office space, plus all the other stuff that goes with it. And when you bring an uh, a person into an organization on a permanent basis, you're also hiring them to be a manager. That's part of the role. And I think with you know COVID-19 in particular is giving organizations a lot of challenges because now that everybody's not in the same physical workspace, how many real managers of people do you need? So with a fractional chief marketing officer, you're not really bringing them in to manage people, perhaps as you suggest to coach people, but you're really bringing them in to apply their brain power and experience to the problem or opportunity at hand for the business, which is great. So you might need a manager, but I'm sure most organizations have more than enough managers. I've never heard an organization say, oh, I need more people managing more people. No, that's just a side part of the mission of a business, which is to go out there and win some customers. 
So we're kind of, GIGCMO and, and others like us are, are actually set up for this new world that we live in where you have a problem or opportunity, how best can we engage? And certainly for us, the transition through COVID-19 hasn't been as dramatic for other people. It's actually made it easier for other people to tap into our services because now they're very comfortable because they know their business can work with people at a distance. No, that's a good point, for sure. You know, because I try to step back here as far as our own approach here from a business standpoint and, you know, me being a marketer anyway, like we said, we can provide strategic direction for companies who need it. And if, and we have to make sure that I think that our communication is that we're not here to take over your current marketing team, but enhance and complement. Absolutely. I mean, you don't need what you can bring us in to do is to help strengthen the team maybe do a capability assessment and then, and then work with the team to get better. We complement the existing team. We have never gone into an organization where we've been the replacement for a team. Absolutely. Yeah. If somebody is uh, fortunate enough to be working with one of our fractional CMOs, all the feedback we've ever had from people who are in marketing and of course outside of marketing, wow, that was a great engagement. <laughs> We talked about this earlier, but um, explain just a f couple minutes more on the trigger event of a company who um, is considering this because they may have, like you said, a current marketing person. Uh, just examples of trigger events that said, you know, we could use outside help here. Like, okay, so let, let's, you know, we've got a uh, number of different cases from you know, different ge geographies around the world. So there was, there was a group who were setting up a virtual university in East Africa. And they had a lot of their investors were from the UK. They had talent and boots on the ground in, in, in East Africa, uh, but didn't have that marketing leader as part of the original uh, business team. Uh, we had done some initial work with them when they're looking at their business model and we worked with them. And then once they uh, made the investment and got things going, it was like, okay, what do we do next? And that's where they found they're having these skill gaps. And, and so they approached us and say, listen, we've now gone live and, you know, all that great insight you gave us to give us, you know, a, a, a great marketing strategy and customer acquisition uh, program uh, to support that, we'd now like you to come in to really lead that process over the next six to 12 months. And we ended up being, being in there with 12 months to help them uh, grow their business. And of course, there was a lot of coaching, uh, mentoring uh, with a very young marketing team. It was also a lot of work with the, the leadership uh, with, on the education side, as well as with the investors about the business and how it could make money and what it had to focus on. We had somebody in there with a particular skill set from education as well. Uh, so that's that's one example. Another one was a, a newly listed company on the London Stock Exchange, and uh, they they launched, got they raised the money, launched, got the market, and figured out jeepers. Now we have to deliver a plan. We we didn't put the the marketing and sales team kind of into the business plan. That you know, the first thing was raise the money sell the story, great, get launched on the market, everything's done. And now it's like, oh, 
now we got to go and deliver this. What are we going to do? So that's another example of where we went in, and that was, you know, in uh, the the clean energy space. So yeah. we've worked with a, a number. We've worked worked with a company in the world of opera to help them uh, a, a achieve their vision. So there's you know examples from a, a, across the globe, and that's the great thing about London, in particular. It's a very cosmopolitan place. And because few of us are fortunate enough to be in a big market like the U.S., we've got to go out and fight all these other markets. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we get that great international exposure uh, over here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think you brought up a good point, though. Um, there's really not. I mean, there's really not an industry we haven't touched on. You know, we're not focused on B two B or B two C. It's really about marketing strategy and 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 using the right talent to um, fit into the need. Yes, uh, yes it is. And you know, actually when, one of the barriers to an organization's success is the word marketing. And marketing is a process and it's, it's an approach to how you grow your business. Every business does marketing. Some of them have it under an official title, others don't but they all have a process of how they go out and acquire and retain customers. Mm -hmm. So even if, you know, you've got a, let, let's think of a startup, you know, maybe there's uh, some inventors come up with something great. He's, he's brought one of his buddies on board. He's got some business experience, perhaps he's been a CFO and they're starting to think about what they're going to achieve. Well, they've already started marketing. Uh, they just don't call it marketing. So a chief marketing officer is just the person who brings that real customer driven focus to the table. And when you're a startup, a lot of times it's that CEO or CTO or inventor who kind of brings it because they have that focus on the customer trying to get it right. But as they gradually grow, they can't do everything. And a lot of the times their skill set and experience isn't actually in growing that customer base. It's making that wonderful product or services service that's outstanding or managing the, the IT or the, the creation of the product itself. So there's a, there's a lot out there in terms of how one would go about that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean about marketing, the word marketing being a challenge. And it's not a regulated uh, profession. So anybody can claim to be a marketer. And it's one of those industries and professions. Well, you really, the proof is, as they say in, over here, the proof is in the pudding, right? You have to really look at results to see if it's a good marketing person. So you need a track record. And there's a lot of firms start up, you know, marketing's, marketing's evolved a lot. If, you know, many uh, of the audience will have watched the series Mad Men. Great series, right? Uh, before my time, even. Uh, and, and that was a whole different world because there you come up with this one picture and all of us will have memories of one of these ads that were wow and it's so clear. There was no competition per se going into mass media itself, as you'll know from your history, Paul, uh, in, in the world of media, going into mass media, that was a big thing. And if you could get on that mass media with a compelling ad, first it was print and then it was TV or radio. And it was like, wow, that, that was it. Now in today's world, it's uh, digital is so important, right? 
you can't survive without it. Okay, so what a lot of companies first do when they think they got a marketing issue, they'll find somebody who knows Google very good because Google is very important because when people go onto Google, they say, I'm looking for, mm-hmm. yeah. and if you don't have that basics done, people can't find you. But what happens is that's where a lot of organizations will start when they think they have a marketing issue. Oh, let's get somebody who knows Google. But what they lack is the strategy and programs behind that to support that. So that's where we come into the organization, okay, to help provide that strategic direction and take things forward. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, we always preach that with clients anyway. I mean, that's strategy versus tactic, you know? Yes. And, you know, marketing, what is marketing encompass anyway? I mean, people could just throw that word out like SEO. Hey, do you do SEO? You know, whatever that means, right? It's just like, you know, they just throw those words out. And then really the big thing is, what's your message? Um, Why do people need you? Why should they buy from you? Let's cover that first. (laughs) And before we get to the tactics. And, you know, I always talk about in, you know, a focus and you hear me talk about it a lot is, at least get on the short list. How do you get on the short list? You know, building trust, all these kinds of things that we all assist with. You know, we're not just sitting there doing Google ads all day, right? We're, we're talking yes. about, you know, demand generation. And I always like talk about, you know, wouldn't it be nice to get leads from people before they use a search engine because you're communicating a problem to them, right? So, yes, I mean, these absolutely. are all like components of a big picture strategy of, um, and, you know, here's the other thing, by the way, Mark, is, you know, we use the word marketing, but there's other intertwining phrases, revenue, profit, right? You know, uh, at the end of the absolutely. day. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's very important for uh, your, your listeners to think about uh, revenue and profit because we are commercially minded, okay? A, a good chief marketing officer is bottom line driven. Okay. It's not about the size, of the budget. It's not about the number of people. It's about winning in the marketplace. And the PNL is that measurement of the market of success in the marketplace. So, you know, I, I, our CMO is always talking about return on marketing investment because they know any money, even for the engagement is an investment for an expected return in the future. So, we're all very commercially driven uh, and people join the team if they don't, that's just part of the criteria of our, our fractional chief marketing officers. I think just, you know, we're talking about revenue and different terminologies. Some of you, some of the people listening to this might remember uh, Peter Drucker. Okay. One of the early management thinkers and, and still, you know, uh, a, a classic and uh, Peter Drucker stated very clearly the purpose of a business is to create a customer right yep. that's you know if you if you can't create a customer you, you don't have a business but he then went on to say that the two most in function, important functions of a business are innovation and marketing as they are the only two functions that contribute to profit while all others are costs, okay? So it wasn't saying, oh, you need a marketing department, innovation department. Mm-hmm. What he was talking about is those are the two essential functions of the business, whatever you call it. 
because as long as you have marketing innovation and I'm thinking about how am I going to create a customer, then you have a business and the rest are all costs. Now, some of those costs are very important, but at the end of the day, if you don't have that marketing innovation philosophy in your business, you're not going to be winning in the market long-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I would love to amend that quote from Peter Drucker, really. And actually, <laughs> I have these conversations all the time is, it's one thing about having a customer, how you define that. To me, it's also the repeat customer is really yes. the, the goal. What's the sense of, especially like e-commerce, if somebody buys something and doesn't get a subscription or whatever, you lose them. And what's the, what's the point really, <laughs> except. Uh, uh, absolutely. You know, we, we all have heard the phrase, you know, the cost of acquiring customer is, is of course very high, right? to get a repeat customer, it's a lot easier to keep what you've got than go find a new one. So if your customer retention rates aren't very high, there's a low hanging fruit because you've already got them. And then the other people are actually very important to understand is who are the customers you didn't get, right? Who, who are the people who didn't become a customer? Like a win-loss because, analysis, yeah. Yeah, because you really want to understand why did they not choose us Right? There's a lot of research and net promoter score, talking to your customers and find out why they love you. And, you know, everyone's driving up their score. Well, those people love you. So your score should be fairly high. So if it's not, you got a big issue, right? Some of the airlines over the years in America have had some issues with that. Uh, is that my guitar you're damaging there? Anyway, uh, <laughs> you remember that. But Go talk to the people who chose not to deal with you and figure out why they didn't deal with you. And then you'll be able to grow your business successfully as well. Well, you start out, you know, identifying if there's trends, then you have to pivot in order to win yes. those customers. And, you know, you know, it could be a variety of things. It could be the quality of your retention program and your salespeople, right? It may not be a yes. marketing issue at all, right? You have to look at the big picture is. Well, you know. let, me, let me come back to that, uh, yeah. Paul. Actually, when we talk about marketing, we talk about this big umbrella, which includes sales, PR, et cetera, right? This is the basic definition of marketing. And we can come back to the marketing mix, product price, place, and yeah. promotion. Okay, very simple level. So sales and marketing are all together in that big bucket. And a lot of times people say, you know, sales is the brawn and marketing is the brain. Now, marketing people usually like to hear that. Oh, look at me. Uh, sales people like to hear that because they know if you don't get the muscle and get out there and make things happen, what are you doing? But you have to bring that as a unified team together and when we go into organizations, uh, you know, that's one of the first things we make sure. And throughout my, my own career, uh, I always made sure if we weren't, if early in my career I was under one leader, you know, me and the marketing and the sales guy, and then we'd be switching roles. And over time, we'd become on top of these organizations ourselves. And you always want to get that alignment. Because if you don't, you have an internal fight over resources. Now, if you're a sales if you're out on the road selling, 
right? You're not really too concerned about the program or whatever and the rules of it. You're just trying to close that sale, right? If you're the marketing guy in the background, you've developed this great program. It all works. You've got to admire the beauty of it. Da, 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 da. You're always going to have that tension. And as long as it's a creative tension, fighting for the best solution, that's great. Very many positive things come out of that. But you want to get all those elements of the marketing mix working together. So it's critically important. You know, and that's part of our role is to make sure everything is aligned and Absolutely. we're doing these big assessments and strategizing right. different departments so that we're all cohesive with the same goals. Exactly. And that's also getting your CFO on board with you. Okay. Because the CFO, when they're on board, they're the greatest champion of marketing initiatives. So one of the key things for anybody who's in, in, in an organization is they have to partnership, partner with the finance team. Okay. They're looking at all kinds of different investments all the time. So the better they understand marketing, the more supported they can be. And they're, they're metric driven, just like we are, you know, we all measure things, which is, which mm -hmm. is great. We're still that old uh, saying is still true though. 50% of your spend, you know, isn't working, but you're not sure which 50%, even if this day of metrics, you know, the data-driven stuff, there's still, which is really working. So marketing has become more of a science, which is absolutely great. Still a combination of, you know, an art uh, to bring it all together, because if it was easy to do, everybody would be doing it. But there's some very successful companies out there and some very, un well, they're not here anymore. They were first, First, they were unsuccessful, and then they went bankrupt. Oh boy. Well, you know, you talk about the old marketing mix thing, and, you know, it's a conversation I always have is, depending on your budget, you know, this whole mix of brand and direct response, I call it. Yes. You know, um, and the experience, yet you want every dollar to, be, to count. And right. So there's always that conversation about make sure people – know your experience and trustworthy before they start giving up their email addresses in a way. Right. So, yes. so it's That's, that combination. It's part of the value prop and the branding and the look feel You know, always, you know, you know, I challenge people anyway, and we all do is this is kind of a cliche, but it, it happens in business. Nothing ch changes a first impression. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I read an interesting article the other day and I, I, th I thought it captured it very well. And it was talking about how marketing is perceived in organizations and discussions about different investments. And, you know, when you come to a proposal for brand building and reputation, there's always a lot longer discussion as opposed to, you know, we got a lead generation proposal, we want this investment, here's the expected return and we can play with the dolls and everybody can easily sign off on that. But when you talk about, oh, let's build the reputation, then there's a lot more hesitation, understandable. But the article made a nice point, is every one of those, remember the senior team or the, the C-suite, every day they get up, they get dressed, shower and shave first, get dressed, if, if they shape, maybe they don't, or they're wearing a dress. Anyway, uh, they get up, they look in the mirror, they make sure them, they are presentable. They walk out the door before they go in the office in those days. Remember when we used to go in office? 
you know, their shoes are probably shining. They probably check again in the mirror before they walk in into the office and off they go. They've spent a lot of time managing their personal brand. Now, I don't see everybody waking up every morning and think I'm going to do a cost benefit analysis of you know, <laughs> how much time I spend on managing my personal brand or my LinkedIn profile. I mean, you've got everybody out there managing their social media profiles and then business LinkedIn is particularly important managing that what they do. But then you come to some of these same senior leaders and say, Oh, we think you need to work on your reputation and that, Oh, well, we can't see a direct direct return for that. So, you know, I thought that was a great analogy about how to look at some of these things because that's how, you know, you're not willing to walk out in the street without making sure you look your best. So you have to treat your brand the same way. And that's, that's brand as a, 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 as a living thing because the brand doesn't sit with the brand manager, doesn't sit with the chief marketing officer and doesn't sit with the CEO or the board. The brand rests in the minds of the customers. So part of our job is to gradually find out what's in the mind of the customer because they have the deepest understanding. So when you're playing with your brand, you have to be very careful uh, because you might not know what is actually uh, most appealing about it. And if we think back, one of the classic cases, and so I shouldn't use the term classic, just gave away, it was Coca-Cola, right? <laughs> right. Coca-Cola, I think it was back in the 80s. You mean a new Coke? <laughs> yeah, right? Blind taste test against Pepsi. Yeah. Okay. Pepsi won hands down every time. I guess the guys at Coke were kind of thinking, okay, I can't handle this. And the CEO was probably all over them. Guys, we got to be winning on the product. What are we going to do? Okay. So then they came up and they came up with an alternative formulation. Okay. For the product and they blind tasted it. Wow. This beats out Coke hands down. Right. And then, and this is a consumer driven company, right? You don't get into that organization and succeed in it unless you really understand customers. So the bright lights in those days decided to, uh, okay, we'll launch it. But what they never tested was how does that new taste fit in that old Coke bottle? Mm. And when they put the two together, the consumer taste and said, this is not Coke. Okay. So they failed to really understand that. Now, a great marketing person is very good at pivoting and never letting a crisis go to waste. So they're very successful because shortly after this groundswell of love for Coca-Cola and let's play the old theme from the sixties, but <laughs> the song, you know, Coke makes the world great, whatever it is. Okay. Then they repackaged it. And then they had two variants out there. So they had Coke classic and right. they had new Coke and, they could go to war against Pepsi, which they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a good point. I mean, companies, I even look at, they, they, they try things, they do enough research, and then they could still be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, Steve Jobs absolutely was against research. As he, you know, and, and there's some validity to his comment, which was basically along the lines, if the customers knew what they wanted, Oh yeah, right. I read that. already yeah. found it, right? Yeah. Whereas his point was, they don't know what they want. We have to create some, create a customer. We have yeah. to create something they want. And of course, one of the most successful uh, companies in the world mm. for the moment. 
You know, it's an interesting concept. Uh, I know we talk a lot about marketing concepts. It's a really good conversation here um, is the fact that as much research you do and, and data driven and this and that, sometimes experience like what we have and, and even using a gut <laughs> to make a decision over, over all the numbers that we look at. Experience is, you know, really defined as making a number of fact-based decisions over time that your gut, and they refer to gut because at one time people thought, and maybe it still does, your brain is in your gut. What does your gut feel about that? Okay. And when I was working in large organizations and I had, you know, quite large uh, teams, we always get them together. Uh, when I joined a new organization or took a new position, kind of explained, here's how we're going to work. And one of the things that I've always said is, you know, if you bring an issue or opportunity, bring your facts. And especially to the interns or trainees, very important. I, I'm in, you know, you can add your opinion after you give the facts. And over time, as you deal with more of these cases and the, this range of analysis, over time, you'll be training your gut about what you'll what you do. And that's why you can bring a fractional chief marketing officer because they've experienced a lot of these issues, even in different industries and more importantly across different industries. So they know here's what you should do in that situation. Okay. Still have to test it, but you know, that recommendation will be pretty good. And one of the things that we do with, with our, uh, with our, our clients and our clients really like this is, they have an opportunity, you know, they want somebody who's from their industry because they think that's really important. Absolutely. But a lot of them choose to have somebody who hasn't worked in their industry who can bring that important outside perspective. Yeah. Right. No, I totally agree. <laughs> absolutely critical because you look at it a different way because marketing is about, we come back to that earlier conversations about a process, right? So how do we apply that process in the organization? You, you know what? Everybody in that company, understands that industry very well so they don't need an expert to tell them you know all these this whole team who's been in this business for 20 years knows the industry backwards and forwards i mean you know what are they going to do hire a competitor to come in no they might as well sell the company <laughs> so what they should do is hire in somebody with an outside perspective from a different industry who can show them the models because what's yeah, car rentals Okay. Remember there was that industry before Uber and those others. Oh yeah. Right? You, you rented cars, right? Yeah. And there was this great line, Avis, we try harder, right? Mm -hmm. Cause they're number two. They're always going to be number two. It's a proven case. The number two never becomes number one. Okay. The one who becomes number one is either somebody who's way at the back of the back <laughs> or a disruptor who changed the game from outside. So we don't hear a lot about Avis these days because a company came like Uber came around and, change the bottle. Now, again, coming talking about brands, if you don't think your brand is important, look at what happened to Uber, right? You got an Uber car and then you heard they don't treat the drivers well, they've got all this harassment issues, all this stuff is like, I don't want to drive this, this is exploiting people. Right, right. Boy, that really hurts. Anyway, um, that's a pun. Ah. <laughs> Okay, sorry, got it, the accent. <laughs> that's right, that's right. No, it's a good conversation here. Um, well, th th I mean, there's a lot we could talk about and maybe a future podcast, but 
Let's go back to the gig CMO process and just kind of summarize that a little bit about the gig CMO business model for the listeners and how we work and what makes us unique. Okay. Well, gig CMO is, you know, we're fundamentally, a, I guess you could call us a consultancy. It's not, uh, not my favorite word because when you think of consultants, you usually think of, you know, very professional people, great conversationalists, you know, can take you out for wonderful dinners and do great presentations. Okay. But we're, we're consultants who've been there because we've all been working on the client side, right? We've all been in our client's shoes at some point in our career. But what we, what we have is a, a, a team of people that we've selected to join Gig CMO. And they're obviously very experienced in their career. A lot of them have the luxury, not of not working. Okay, very few people have that luxury, but they have the luxury that they've done well enough. They no longer have to climb a corporate ladder and they can come out and choose the products, the projects and companies that they want to be involved with because these people are passionate about winning. Most of them have managed large teams, but they get their kicks from winning in the marketplace. So as part of gig CMO, they get to help a number of clients win in the marketplace. And that's what really drives these people. Now, how can you engage with a fractional chief marketing from chief marketing officer from gig CMO It's very easy. You can obtain them for a specific project. Come and talk to us, give us your brief. We can respond. We'll talk. I am always involved in the initial conversations and then we can work with you to here's the fractional CMO we recommend, or you can speak to a couple. So we get that right fit because also chemistry is really important at, at this level of engagement, right? You can't read that on a resume or a profile. And that's one of the reasons we have, so our people have videos on, on our site so you can hear them walk and talk, right? You don't want to do uh, CVs all the time. Not many people look at CVs anymore. So you get a chance to uh, check them out, but you can bring them in for a project or something that's very successful is what we do. We bring it together a virtual roundtable of CMOs and we've helped a number of different companies coming to the UK market. And I think this is really, really interesting for firms in America because we'll have five or six CMOs around the roundtable while the, the client is pitching their new product, their new approach to the market, their new campaign or new business idea, and they're getting feedback from, you know, up to six, maybe there's only two or three around the table, but that's a lot of brain power, an hour and a half session. And of yeah. course it's followed yeah. up with a board and recommendation. Sure. Sure. The third, it's like a think tank. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the third way is what we call our uh, C-suite whisper CEO whisper program, where we have a, a few very senior and experienced uh, fractional CMOs who've also been in leadership positions as CEOs, CEOs as non-executive directors on boards, who will work with a member of the C-suite uh, as a as a consigliere, giving them uh, business advice in the background, helping training and educate them. Because a lot of people become CEO. Maybe they've come up through the finance side, and all of a sudden they're responsible for marketing. Now. They're also, as a responsible marketing, they can't really go to their CMO and say, okay, please, please explain this to me, right? So they use our services to help them 
get up to speed to deal with the business issues that are there. And of course, it's all done uh, today in terms of engaging with us. It always starts with, you know, reaching out to us, however the client wants. They can call us, they can drop us an email, they can uh, chat with us, and then we'll arrange a, a conversation with them. All right, great, great. How do we contact with the website? Through the website, www.gigcmo.com. Now available on demand in America. Thank you. So we were talking about the US market. So for example, if a US firm is, is looking to export and, and really, which firm is not looking for more business today, right? One of the key markets to approach is always the UK, 65 million market, shared cultural heritage, speak the same language, more or less. I'm kind of stuck in the middle of the pond here uh, between North American terminology and, and British terminology. And when I first came here, when somebody told me how to join the queue, I said, listen, I don't want to join the queue. I just want, where's the lineup, right? Separate, separate by a common language. But if you're looking to grow your business, one of your first markets is, hey, I want to engage with UK. And now with Paul, with yourself and others on the ground in the States, local firms now have the ability to have somebody like you who they get cultural fit, knowledge, trusted partner, but now you can access through you, they can access this team of a gig CMO round table who knows the UK market and other markets, but this one, let's say in particular very well, and we can make sure that they're market ready to come in the UK market. So when they approach it, they hit the ground running. We've helped a number of firms, as I mentioned, from Central and East Europe and from the Far East come into the UK. Some of them, when we've been working with them, have realized they're not ready and have stepped back and have saved themselves a lot of money because they weren't really prepared completely. Others, we've been able just to optimize a few things. So when they did hit the ground, they had more of a success. So I, that's a huge opportunity because in this day and age of Amazon and digital and, you know, you can find anyone anywhere today. So there's many UK, you're, you're on, the, on Google in the UK, you find a firm that happens to be in the US, why wouldn't you engage with them? There's no reason not to. And if you're an American firm, why wouldn't you sell in the UK market? 65 million, at the end of the day, everybody loves London. So if you succeed and grow your business, you got a reason for a business trip once the flights open up again. Yeah, for sure. You know, th these are really good thoughts here and, and pretty compelling. Um, as we finish up here, there's actually one thing that came into my mind about the fractional CMO concept. You know, here's the thing. We can talk strategy, we can talk experience, we can talk well-rounded, knowledgeable, all those kinds of things. But you know what? It's another thing that we do, we challenge challenge yes you know when you're in, in an employee you may like less likely to say boss this isn't right you know because you're an employee <laughs> but you know with our experiences we can come in and say maybe do a step back here on this a little bit and let's just think about some things a absolutely you know it's it's like in the old days nobody ever got fired for engaging hiring ibm or no one gets fired for bringing in mckinsey right and sometimes what they play back is what the organization already knows 
but there's not enough brave uh, there's not enough brave people in the organization or even worse uh, the top team isn't willing to listen to the internal feedback but that outside perspective that we bring I mean we're there to help the client grow so part of our role is to share the cold hard facts of reality with them so their business can perform better so that challenging role is is part of what a a, a good experienced chief marketing officer brings to the table they're not willing to challenge things right for sure well great conversation um sure we'll talk again soon but thanks for joining me today great uh, thank you paul and very convenient time over here in the afternoon and appreciate the early start for you and your listeners sure sure well um podcasts are universal and uh listen in midnight if you want it doesn't matter but the but the point is there's just think about if you're a business the concept of a fractional cmo how we can complement your team at the end of the day your salespeople are hungry and they need quality leads they need business we all need business that's why we exist um so there's opportunity there gigcmo.com thanks mark okay thank you paul this is paul mosenson fixed to convince marketing optimization there'll be another podcast thanks for listening and have a great safe day thanks for listening subscribe to get more marketing optimization insights fix the convince